Friends, before we get to the podcast, I want to make you aware of a free event hosted by United We Pray in a couple of weeks. We will be hosting Dr. Jarvis Williams, Associate Professor of New Testament Interpretation, for an evening to think about redemptive kingdom diversity. He'll be speaking, and we'll be recording a live episode of the podcast with him. It's very exciting. This event is free, but registration is required. Please see the link in our show notes for more information and let friends in the Birmingham area know about it. Grace and peace. Grace and Peace, you're listening to United We Pray. Taking racial struggles to the throne of grace, United We Pray is a ministry devoted to help Christians pray and think about racial strife, especially between Christians. We want to help Christians think better about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and hopeful. You can learn more about our work at uwepray.com. That's U-W-E-P-R-A-Y.com. This episode is a little bit different than usual. We are joining part two of a conversation between a bunch of pastors we had in town for a little bit of a retreat. If you haven't heard part one, I'd encourage you to go back and check that out. Part one was more about how not to consider hiring a uh, black pastor at a majority white church. Part two, which you're about to hear, is looking for more positive advice about how to do that well. Hope you're encouraged. So we're going to pivot now from what not to do to what we should be doing. So uh, I wanted to talk to you guys. What do you guys see as your ministry in your specific churches if it's not being a one-man diversity initiative? Like what, what do you view, how do you view your ministry? So don't give me just the stock answer of I'm just going to preach the Bible. Like, yes, you're doing that. You're a pastor. That's what you're doing. But how do you seek to shepherd your congregation through these complex issues in the context of being a pastor. Yeah, I don't want to undermine uh, preaching and teaching the Bible because I think in that we are modeling uh, godliness um, through the teaching, but also through our conduct and our, and our character um, because there, there could be a, a, a brother that looks like me that you know actually can see Christ through me. And I think, um, I, think I see that as a part of my ministry as being a, an example of the flock. Uh, someone that is above reproach, mm. and I think um, I think I, as I call it as pastors, ultimately we want to um, not only um, share the very word, but also share our very own souls um, with the congregation. Yeah, if I can just piggyback on that, I'm I am struck. I feel like I've had a couple times recently in my life where someone's reached out from the past, from different seasons of life. And they talk about something I've done to encourage them that I don't even remember doing. So the the day in and day out just modeling of godliness has and like man I and I even think of some younger brothers who I had the pleasure who had the privilege of discipling, who I think I I underestimate how much they looked up to me. I don't mean that as a like some younger black brothers who looked up to me. And like, I don't mean that as what well, I'm incredible, but I mean that as like, oh, if I think about it, I really looked up to some godly black brothers above me because they were godly and black, and like, but they were godly. And so like, man, the godliness is just, it should permeate when we're not on these microphones, our entire ministries. So can any of you recall, uh, well, actually, let's do this one first. If you don't mind sharing, what is a way you regularly pray for your church? There's a couple of different ways that I do it. Uh, I'm sure some of you are familiar with the Acts model, mm -hmm. right? 
adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Um, so that's one way. Another way is like I actually pray by pray for people by name. Like there are certain people that are going through many different challenges and stuff like that. So I'm praying for them like actual individually, and that comes with obviously knowing what's going on in their lives. And um, those pastor, those home pastor home visits, those text messages, those emails, those phone calls, all those types of things are very very important. So there's like a personal, but there's also like a general aspect that I pray for our church as well. General in the sense of praying for this ministry, praying for us to, you know, whether it's the, the women's ministry, like just generality, if you if you will. And then there is a sense to, and I get this like as the Holy kind of, the Holy Spirit leads. Um, so we are saved, right? The Bible talks about um, there's a past, present, and future aspect to our salvation. We have been saved, yeah. we are being saved, and we will be saved in the future. So there's also that aspect, too, that there are certain people that on their Christian journey, <laughs> on that spectrum that they may be on, sometimes they don't really look saved right now. So I'm praying those different tenses, if you will, for them. Um, so that's that's another aspect. That's, that's good. Strong. That's good. That's strong. Um yeah, praying through, praying through the membership directory. So praying for members by name. Um, pray for the church in light of like the sermon text. Um, and my my wife and I in our family worship, we call it huddle time. And um, on Tuesdays, we pray specifically for Midtown Baptist in a certain way. And then on, uh, so different things. Like on Mondays, we pray that our congregation would um, bear the burdens of minorities. On Tuesdays, we pray for our congregation as a whole, like just a certain way generally. And then on uh, Thursdays, we pray for those who are suffering. You know, being a pastor, I know stuff is going on in the life of members, and so pray for them by name. Uh, pray for one of them, not pray for all of them, but pray for one of them or something like that by name on a Thursday. And then on Fridays, we pray that um, there'd be real racial reconciliation in our congregation. And so we try to lift those things up um, in our huddle time. It's really good, Josh. Very similar, just praying through scripture. Um, I just preached through uh, Romans 12, um, 9 and 10, and that's just been on my heart heavily. And I've been praying for my congregation that we would just grow in genuine love for each other. And, and Paul says that we would love each other with brotherly affection. Um, and I think that's, that's that's just been strong in my heart of just, um, the Lord has just used my prayers to um, conform us to unity within the body. The only thing I'll add, um, I know your question is about how we pray for them, but just leading them to pray together as a body on Sunday. There is something happening when we intercede together. So even the, the brothers around this table, we're spending time together to intentionally encourage one another as African-American pastors. And what I told them at United We Pray, you know, I'm looking at Austin, he's wearing one of our t-shirts. We don't just have cool t-shirts, though by God's grace we have those. Uh, <laughs> we actually try to pray. So we're gonna pray a lot on this retreat and something mm -hmm. happens when we pray together. Yeah. It's not just 300 individual people praying in a room or whatever it is, 
But there is, I, I think, something uniting even in praying to one father yeah. together about things. So what I, so I guess what, to make be super explicit, I just want to see that more in evangelicalism. Period. More prayer in churches. More prayer at conferences. I think the flavor, the whole flavor of the conversation would change hmm. if we would but pray more together. Hmm. That's good. Wanted to ask you guys if you can recall a situation or a time where your church surprised you in a good way since you got there, in a way you didn't expect in terms of being racially sensitive or aware. Yeah, I think if the a week of the George Floyd killing, um, you know, brother on staff, he just reached out to me and said, hey, we, we got to do something. Um, and and that just shocked me, you know, just like up front, just ready Um Praise God. So, so we did a, a you know a series on racism, um, mm. and he he you know this was the white he, brother, the white brother. Yep, mm. he preached the the intro of that series, and um, and um, I, I followed, and it was it was just very very surprising, but very fruitful, and I, and the Lord used it. So I'm very grateful. Mm. I remember Saint that same week of George Floyd, because I think sometimes. I'll just speak for myself as a younger person. I can, I can overestimate the difficulty of my crossing lines and underestimate the difficulty of other people crossing lines. What I mean is that some older saint in the church who really grew up in segregated America, I mean, and like Jim Crow America and like we can, yes, I understand all the arguments about the ways Jim Crow still exists today. Got that. But there were, she was there with the signs, (laughs) right? Like colored only, white only. And she came to my house, brought us dinner and wept and she had dementia. I mean, it was just, it was such Hmm. a picture, I think of what's going on in the church. And I mean, I always hype this article by Jonathan Morgan about, yeah, we'll link to that in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, so just read that in the show notes. But yeah, yeah um, <clears throat> there's a brother who we just installed as an elder very recently. Um, this brother always reaches out to me, um, even checks in, and man, he was praying for this retreat when I even told him about it. Um, and, you know, the recent events, the, the murder, the killing in Ohio, when the guy was... Um, Man, he got hit 60 times by police. Um, man, I remember being at lunch, uh, like on a Tuesday. I remember being at lunch on Tuesday, probably like the following Tuesday. Him and I were getting lunch and we were doing a check-in, and like he was literally just asking me, like, how are you doing with this? How are you handling this? How's your heart? Like just really shepherding me through all of that, um, you know, praying for me, weeping with me, speaking in and speaking up. Um, and so like, it was, yeah, that was so refreshing and encouraging. Um, I always look forward to getting time with the brother because like, he's like a very refreshing and encouraging brother. (laughs) Can I, I want to give one more example because, um, those are, I think those are good examples. I love those examples. I want to give maybe an unsurprising one that's linked to the conversation earlier or maybe a surprising one. One way I was loved by white churches that surprised me was here I am knowing I had some by God's grace level of giftedness, probably much smaller than I thought. But one thing, one white pastor, which it was Mark Dever did for me, (laughs) 
is he did not rush me to prominence or platform. He loved me enough to be like, you are young, black, and gifted. Praise God. Go make some copies in the copy room. I need this paper and that paper and that paper. And I think that was surprising and humbling to me because of the thing we were talking about earlier is I think some cats are like, oh, he's young, he's black, he's gifted. Throw him out there. And that brother is still just as prone to the trappings of prestige that anyone else And so loving, and it's like, I mean, that's one benefit of coming up in a a more homogenous community like a black church where it's like, sit down and be quiet and wait your turn. And and so I think sometimes, I'm not saying I want to, I think we're right to like talk about voice and giving voice, but like, we're also right to be like, you are not exempt from the, from the normal training and the normal means of grace, just because you're a minority in this situation. And I think we are being wrongly partial when we're like, oh, he's young, black, and gifted. Because, I mean, the the stories are endless of young, black, young, gifted brothers, white or black, burning out, failing out. It's just like, it's not loving that brother to rush him when he's not ready. And to be clear, that brother didn't sideline you because you were black. Right, right. I wasn't sidelined, but I was treated as a re- as one of the other as a young man up and coming in ministry who yes isn't rushed to prominence right thank you for that you're welcome so pivoting just a little bit what would you encourage a majority white church to think about and do before they hire a black pastor i mean we could do a whole podcast on this question <laughs> <laughs> this is true <laughs> um but um it's it's one of them things where all right, there's there's a long list that I think could easily be given to this particular church. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's almost kind of like there's a financial... Um, Just to count, it's count the cost. And I think that goes both ways. I think there's count the cost for that black pastor that's going into that white space. And then it's on the opposite side as well, because there's going to be people, um, you mentioned the George Floyd or racism or whatever the issue is that they're going to take their finances, take their ball and go home. Um, so if somebody wants to hire a black pastor and I'm not talking about tokenism, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Thoughtful. Yeah. If they're going to do that, there's going to come, it's going to come with, a loss of members, a loss of finances. And this is the big part that this is, this is really, this is honestly where it really kind of comes down to for a lot of churches. And we're going to just keep it all the way at all. You know what I mean? We're going to keep it 100. Like this is what it is. Don't do it unless you're willing to lose some members and you're willing to lose money, but do it if you want to be faithful to God. And I know story after story, church after church, that people were faithful to God. And both of those things happened. They lost money. They lost people. But those churches are solid and, and more faithful today. So um, that would be my, to count the costs. I would just go back to look within first and, and train that brother up. Uh, maybe start an internship program. and Within uh, your congregation. Within your congregation. Look within your congregation. Um, because I didn't believe that God, God has, God is the father of gifts, right? 
Um, I think he has gifted our members. Um, so we, we need to do the hard work of discipling and loving and training up and before we, before we look out. I think we should look within. And Josh, we can just cut and paste your answer from earlier where you talked about creating the kind of environment, even in the absence of diversity, that would welcome it yeah. before it gets there. Yeah. Um, other thing I would just add is like, you know, um, move prayerfully, speak openly um, and deliberately and um, really be unified in it, um, especially the leadership. You know, to Tally's point, be willing to count the cost and being united. Um, and depending on the position, like if the brother is coming on, is really going to be one among many, um, well, the elders and stuff like that. Well, then, like, man, um, yeah, those pastors who are already there, like if if there's a visitor or a member who's speaking out against this black pastor on... Um, matters that are, you know what I'm saying? Like just preferential, nothing biblical or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Well then it's the responsibility of those existing pastors to show up. To show up and defend that's right. The pastors who's coming in. Um and also let that member know that, you know, he's also one of your shepherds. Come on. You know, and first what the scriptures say of you know, Hebrews thirteen and First Thessalonians five, like these things, needs to be applied to that pastor, to this brother. Uh, so you guys can't be partial. Mm. That's really good. Is there a scenario in which you would encourage a white church not to hire a black pastor? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Expound, brother. I, I will second that. Third. I would just, yeah. I would just encourage patience. Our character is important. All right. I think those are the two most important tools in our arsenal as pastors is our character and our doctrine. So if we don't if we if we're not looking for those two, I think we should be patient and wait on the Lord. Okay, so don't hire him if he's not qualified or if he's not of sound doctrine. Correct. Anything else? That sounds like Bible to me. Yeah, it does. Uh don't hire him if you don't think your church is is ready. That's a really unkind thing to do to that man and his family. Yeah, but like Mm. He'll help us get ready. Mm, no, uh, don't mm -hmm. don't do that. Um, you like, hey, have we really talked about this? If I mean, if we're not even willing to kind of do the examination work and just be honest mm. with the congregation, some of y'all think you're. This is something my mom said to me, and I remember this. She said a lot of white churches think they're more ready than they actually are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so hard in the conversation on some level is like the churches that think they're really ready, we've, is like, ah, but are you like, and I, it's just like, and I think we've talked about it. Like, are you willing to defend this brother? Are you willing to be like, hey, love you. You might want to find a different church because we're going to, we plan to keep talking about these things. Mm -hmm. We're not going to change. We're going this way. Yeah. Uh, and so that would be, that would be my, my thing. And, um, I would say, too, it's not, I think, a yes and amen on the unqualified thing. I think there's some, and John was saying this earlier, but I think there's some churches that are like, oh, well, he disagrees with us on, like, 15 out of 16 things, but, like, he's orthodox. And I'm like, 
you just you got to realize like that's going to be really difficult both for you and for him. So there's got to be some degree of fit and like mindedness yes. on mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. we do church. Like if it's like I understand different perspectives are useful, but there's also like we also have to be a team and function on some level. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you really yeah. want to think through like philosophy of ministry, right? Yeah. Is like are we just on two different planets? And maybe we are, and we're both orthodox and sound and even qualified, but our respective ways of looking at things are just so backward. But, um, yeah. With the chemistry. The chemistry The chemistry is has to, like, and I, has you to know, be there. And, like, just, just for the listeners, I know we sound like a lot of do's and don'ts. This does happen, and it happens well. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, meaning, I like... Churches do hire well, and I've seen churches even like a white black a white brother or a black brother just reached out to me recently, and I did an interview with them on their merger going well. Praise God of a black church and a white church, it can happen absolutely. But without the things we're talking about, it probably won't happen well. And I think some of the the caution you're hearing and the intensity with which it's being said, not that that's inappropriate, is is just because we all know the horror stories and we see the effects on men and on yes. their families, and we we hate that. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah. To Isaac's point, you want to lead the sheep and not drive the sheep, hmm. and so hmm. you want to uh, to Isaac's point earlier, you want to make sure the congregation is ready. Yeah, you know, and it's the leadership's responsibility to labor towards that end. Mm. You know, um, because what you don't want is for the church to not be ready. And man, it's a horrible experience for this black pastor, and it's a horrible experience for the congregation. And then it may end. It may end up resulting in them not ever wanting to do this. You know what I'm saying? Um, So, (laughs) well, I love that aspect of making sure the congregation is ready. For the listeners, maybe they're listening, they're like, what are the markers of a ready church? Like, what are some of those attributes that we would say that's like, okay, like, y'all, y'all, are, y'all are getting ready or y'all in the right direction of being ready? Because, like, you know, um, you, you know, your, your, your mom has said, right? Some tr- white churches think they, already and they're not so what are some markers of readiness one that i think of is thinking about race in america the um, thinking about the history of race in america i think if people are able to actually grasp with the horrors and the tragedies of chattel slavery and really reckon with the history not try to change the history (laughs) not try to let me stop. Um, <laughs> I went so badly to ask a follow-up, but, but we're not going But to. to really reckon with the history of race in America, I think that's an indicator of like, okay, maybe, you know, it's not the end-all be-all, right? But I think that's like a, a, a marker of like, maybe we're getting down, to, we're, we're, moving, we're moving the yardage a little bit, right? Any other markers y'all think? And I and only ask because you mentioned Josh the idea of a ready church. Some people no. may some people may be asking, okay, so what is a ready church? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So let's think about this. Yeah, if your if your congregation doesn't match your community, I think that's a ready. Because it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That is an indication they're not ready. That is, if if it doesn't match, if your congregation doesn't match your community, 
yeah, I would say you you're you're not ready. You need to get ready at that point. I would, um, yeah, I would add, you know, examine the content of your prayers. What are things that the church is praying for? Um, you know, as it relates to matters of race, racism. Um, man, examine your own heart as it relates to like prejudice, discrimination. Um, look at your dinner tables. Um, to see if if there is any bit of diversity in your congregation, like are you really striving to to get to know them, to have them over in your own home, um, to hear their stories, you know what I'm saying? And not just that, but like if you live in a semi-diverse neighborhood, you know, like, man, are you loving your neighbors who, who stay next to you? Um, you know, um, in what ways are you praying for your pastor? Now, <laughs> who's your current pastor, and are you praying for more, and are you praying for the Lord to give more diversity on that elder board, um, and are you intentionally like seeking to diversify your relationships? Like, are you intentionally discipling? You know, um, I think one way. I mean, I had this conversation with uh, a pastor a while back. And it was just like, man, um, yeah, he did a really good job. We probably don't cut that part. <laughs> uh, but yeah, one of the things I, uh, one of the conversations I had was just like, man, you want you want your church to grow in diversity. Like, man, the elder board should be intentional who they disciple. Mm. You know, if you have minorities in your congregation, your elder board should be very intentional on that and um, on the pursuit. It just can't be the the black elder or the ethnic minority elders who are intentionally pursuing ethnic minority members in the congregation. But like, you know, those are ways that's going to help you uh, create a culture that's conducive for diversity and also help you uh, be more prepared. You know, if the Lord were to bring on them, you know, ethnic minority pastor. Yeah. I would say to the listener, do these things that we're talking about, does it, do, do they burden you? Do they cut you to your soul, like the chattel racism um, that your church doesn't look like your neighborhood? Um, you know, even your dynamic of friends and the people that you hang out with does that burden you? And I think if that burden is there, those are signs that you are ready. That's good. I think one thing that's useful about this conversation it shows how hard it is to create a culture. And it's really hard to change a culture. Mm -hmm. So I can imagine mm. listeners being like, I'm ready, but I know <laughs> people who sit in pews 5, 6, and 22 are not ready. <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's like, it is, it is hard to change. And so these little things are all, but they go into building and changing. And I mean, Josh, you're talking about what you and Steph pray. I'm just convicted listening to that. Like, I don't pray that. That's a good prayer. Um, so I just I, I guess I just say that to say, yeah, like culture is really hard to change. And I, I think one I'll just name is basically, you know, rephrasing John, because that's my ministry in life. But um, is this conversation safe in this church? Has racism mm. been named? Have you ever rebuked a person for racism? Mm. Have you ever thought to confess racism? And if that's not happening, it doesn't mean your church is un... I think this is a good, you know, I think we're talking about in, in terms of, I think Akin has helpfully said, 
that there's a spectrum of readiness. Like it's not right. necessarily like, okay, we've done these 10 things ready. We're good. Like, uh, you know, but it is to say like, you might be less ready. And I want, I just like, you know, for the, for the black brother interview, I'm like, so when's the last time you'll talked about racism publicly or as a church? What's the, what are the elders reading about this? I just want to know is because again, <laughs> if the conversation can't be had, come on, Pete cats are going to come to that black brother in your church or black sister in your church. And yeah. they're going to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. So if the conversation can't be had and it's not even safe to name those things because that's CRT, because that's mm-hmm. wokeism, yeah. because whatever, then cultural, oh, cultural Marxism. Yeah. So let me just say, you're not ready. If you, if your church is pri- primarily, I mean, you will find black men and I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and question their blackness. I think that's just a, alive the devil but you mm-hmm. you might find black men who completely agree with your your congregation and mm-hmm. say crt's from hell and blah, blah blah and maybe you want that man fine but uh what i'm saying is there's different perspectives and i don't think that's the widely held perspective and um mm-hmm. yeah i don't think you're ready at that point yeah. and you just need to be honest about it. i just think the truth in advertising is so helpful just be honest like we're here mm-hmm. do you want to work with us if we're here Yes and yes, okay, but we are here, and don't think we're on our best day. We're here. It's like, where are you on your normal days as as a congregation? Last question. We'll get you guys out of here on this. There is a church out there at some stage of readiness, and they've just hired the black pastor. What advice would you give a church member sitting in the pew about how to relate to this man? Well, I just say, as someone who's basically just gone through this myself, be excited and welcome the brother. Like I'm like, we don't want to create like, can I approach him? Like, if will I, will I violate the United We Pray laws? If I, if I, if I you know, ask him about his thoughts on race, like, just be normal. I think your yeah. com- your your post, Austin's best article. Was his first article, and it's been downhill since. <laughs> he's written like two hundred, but he's like, "Be yourself." It's called "White Person at a Black Cookout" or something like that. Whitest guy at the cookout. Whitest guy at the cookout. An experience Austin has had frequently. He's, I love it. He just gave counsel for this, and he said, "Be yourself," and be the, step one: be yourself. Step two: be the most humble version of yourself. Mm, that's good. You know, mm. we don't want to create cultures in our church of fear. Mm. We want to create cultures of wisdom, of caring, of awareness, but yeah. not of fear. Yeah. Yeah. I was second what Isaac said. I think that's just, that's wise to just do. You know what I mean? I don't really got much to add to that. You took everything I was going to say, Isaac. You took everything from me on the basketball court. So now we're, <laughs> now, now we're even, actually. I really wish I could have seen that. <laughs> I'll just add in, go out of your way to encourage that brother. Mm. Like what Paul says in Romans 12, he says, outdo one another and show an honor. Uh, see the Christ in him and celebrate that. Um, and and like, like my brother, I just say, just take that brother out for lunch or coffee and get to know him. If he likes coffee. Because he, he, might, he might not like coffee, you know don't what I'm start. saying? So. The, the listeners, <laughs> I don't drink coffee and John <laughs> doesn't think I'm a Christian <laughs> because of it. Tell you, no, I don't drink coffee either, man. Oh my gosh, are you serious? John, you're at the wrong table, dog. <laughs> I drink coffee, fam. All right, there we go, there we go. Straight there black. Go. Hey, hey, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I got nothing to add. It, 
Treat him, treat him like an elder. Treat him like a pastor. Mm. Um, sit under his teaching. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Give him good feedback. Encourage him in the Lord. Mm. Amen. Amen. I just add one. Pray for him and his family. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That, just, that just came to me. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Well, to close this thing out, we want to spend a little bit of time in prayer. How do you want to do this? Wait, there's so many of us that Should I we wonder. appoint some delegates to the throne? Well, especially <laughs> because I'm about to ask if we can do another quick episode. Uh, I wonder <laughs> if, I know John's hungry, but he can wait. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if. Brother's being sanctified. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if Akin and John pray for us. I'm good with that. So we've talked about a lot of different things. We've given some advice. Hopefully we haven't scared folks or churches off of the prospect of hiring a minority mm. pastor. That would be the opposite of what we want. Um, but if we could get Akin and then John to pray for us to uh, give churches and potential pastors wisdom in how we think through these things to shepherd his people. Absolutely. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, yeah, we come before you asking you for your grace, your mercy, um, and your love. And we know that um, you created diversity. You created different ethnicities, different cultures, different people groups, Lord. And you have saw fit to bring them together, to be united, to be one. As Josh talked about in that passage in Ephesians, that, that oneness that is there between brother and sisters, Lord. I pray for these churches that are looking to be ready or trying to get ready. I just ask just for wisdom for them as they're looking to maybe hire um, and hopefully not being scared of doing that. But we just ask for wisdom because this takes wisdom as we are trying to really glorify you, edify your church and advance your kingdom. So to that pastor, to that church, to that committee that is uh, looking to do this and wherever they may be in Des Moines, Iowa, wherever, we just pray, Lord, um, for wisdom for them. Father God, we are so humble to approach your throne of grace. Uh, we just pray that you would just be with your church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I pray that you will make us one. I pray that you will unite us in the gospel so that your manifold wisdom can be on display. God, we pray that we will keep your word first, not diversity, mm-hmm. but your word. Mm-hmm. That it go forth in power yeah. and excellence. And then ultimately that Jesus, that you will be glorified. That's right. God, I pray that you give our churches who are listening wisdom and how we can build your kingdom um, through the preaching of your word and by raising up leaders and by calling pastors and appointing pastors um, to model godly character and sound doctrine so your people can grow in wisdom and knowledge of you. Mm. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank each of you for joining us. I'm grateful to know you, grateful for your ministries. Folks, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find more about our work at our website, youwepray.com. Grace and peace. Pray.